Hey guys, welcome to Sports and Spouses. This is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Billy, and my wife, Melanie. Say hi, Melanie. Hey. Our podcast discusses the biggest stories in sports through the lens of the average American sports-loving married couple. I am here to provide the perspective of someone who definitely understands and enjoys watching sports, but maybe not always up on the latest breaking news, all the intricacies. Half the time I can't remember who won what championship or World Series the year before, but I love sports. Yep, and I love that she loves sports. So this perspective that she brings introduces a fun and interesting dynamic. So be sure to smash that subscribe button. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. And please tell your friends about us. So thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Again, this is Sports and Spouses. This is episode four. Uh, We are talking about a little Tom Izzo. What else are we talking about? A little Robert Kraft. Mike Trout. A little Mike Trout. A lot of Mike Trout. The world's getting a lot of Mike Trout because he's getting a lot of money. Um, so we've got a lot to cover. So we're just going to dive right in with Tom Izzo being a coach. Um, so he's catching a lot of flack because um, he apparently went off on one of his players. I saw the replay I didn't watch watch it in the game but he uh in the second half uh he called a timeout and he uh was seen running up to uh one of his players uh forward Aaron Henry um this is in uh Michigan State's game against Bradley um in their first round NCAA tournament game Um, but anyway, he was seen running up to, uh, Aaron Henry and he was yelling at him and he was tapping him on the stomach. And apparently he was in a fit of rage. Um, it said he, I'm reading an article from sports illustrated. Um, it said he continued the rage during the huddle when he lunged at Henry and had to be separated by point guard Cassius Winston. I watched the video and lunged. Did is, he really have to be separated? Like he, I, you know how players just kind of put their hands on, you know, the stomachs and just kind of, kind of separate them. I wouldn't say he had to be separated, and I really wouldn't say he lunged hmm. at at Aaron Henry. But that that's a bit of a stretch. Um, but Izzo uh, was unapologetic. Um, he, uh, Izzo said, what's wrong with challenging a kid that makes some mistakes? Aaron Henry, trust me, did some things that you can't do as a starter on a top five team at the end of your freshman year. Uh, they were effort related. I did get after him. He did respond. He did make a couple of big buckets. He did make some big free throws, but that's not good enough. It's one and done time. The my bads are out the window. Um, I know he's talking about one and done time in the tournament, but he might be talking also, in my opinion, he might also be talking about player wise one and dones. And I think that would be a good point when you're, I know he's directly talking about, the tournament, like one loss and you're out. But in my mind, 
if you think you're good enough to only play one year in college and go to the NBA, you can't be making excuses for having terrible games in the tournament. So that's in my mind, that's a, that's a great point to add to this, but he also Henry finished the game just three of seven shooting for eight points, uh, had three rebounds and of the, Michigan State Spartans, nine turnovers. Um, Henry had five of those. So um, after the game, Aaron Henry said, um, I wouldn't say Coach Izzo is more demanding. He knows that I uh, think I can rise to the challenge because I've been doing that all year. I feel like it's just – uh, if my play gets bigger, I got more food to eat. I just got to eat it. <laughs> so, uh, he also said nerves were a little bit high. Um, I was playing so bad offense, defense. I haven't played like that before. It's okay. He's going to yell. It's what he does. I can't listen to how he says it, just what he says. So do you feel like Tom Izzo crossed a line just by just going off on his players, or is that just kind of today's society? Just I feel like, uh, I mean, that's something that a lot of coaches do sometimes. It's a slippery slope. I'd say if he did more than what he did, then maybe, or if it's like an everyday thing. But, um, I mean, he's human, so he's going to be reacting like, you know, he knows that his player can do more than what he's doing. He's emotional about it. One thing I – think he said I don't know if you mentioned was uh one of the player was like he'll also be the one crying with you yeah it was because uh, he cares so again it's kind of a slippery slope you can't take it out of the context it's in because you also can't associate like borderline aggression with caring Mm because then that starts to associate violence with care that's not it but in this situation, like you just have to know the type of coach and it obviously seems like it's not a toxic environment or they would have spoke up right. at right. some point and said that, but obviously, I mean, so I think it's just another example of our media making it more than it is yeah, and saying he lunged at him, you know, and so, yeah, I think that's just, I think you, I think what I'm saying is you can't apply what happened here to other situations. You can't even really take what the player is saying and apply it to other situations. Cause if you take that out of context, people will just rip it apart. But right in this situation, I think like what he said, I had to be told it went viral cause it was that little of a deal to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, what you're talking about is uh, after the game, Aaron Henry said, Um, I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, Someone had to tell me that it went viral after the game, and I'm like, really, for that? Wow. And then you also mentioned that Tom Izzo um, cries with his players. Um, Junior point guard Cassius Winston said after the game, uh, coaches filled with passion and, and emotion and love, you know, those are the main things that make him great as he is. Um, When he's getting after you or when he's yelling, it's never out of harm. It's never out of hate. It's literally him wanting the best for you and him challenging you and pushing you the best you can be. And it's worked for years and years and years. He also said he's a great coach and even better person 
him yelling, he is the first one to yell and he will be the first one to cry when something bad or good happens. It's all emotion and it's all him caring for you. Um, I feel like a lot of times the people who blow things like this out of proportion are the people who haven't been in a situation like that with, with a passionate coach or even passionate players because like every sport I play, I play with like 110% passion and like I give it everything I've got and I get riled up and I get mad and I get emotional you and usually hurt yourself. I usually hurt myself and <laughs> I you don't prepare physically. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's a different story. <laughs> but you're emotional. And right. Passionate. And I, I'm just, I'm all in. So I can, I can understand especially when you're a number two seed and you're in a really close game in the second half with a number two, when it was the number 15 seed, you don't want to be one of those big upsets that everybody's talking about. I understand, you know, a notable coach, a legendary coach like Tom Izzo freaking out, you know, on the court side. There's a lot on the line. Yeah. I mean, and all those players know him better than, yeah, and they've got a relationship. Like I remember playing softball, and our coach would get so mad, like so mad. His face would turn red. He would toss the bat like up on the fence, storm off the field, come back a few minutes later, and it was fine because we all knew it was fine. But it like but showed us how serious it was, like yeah. us not. But you knew he wasn't going to hurt you exactly. or anything. Yeah. Like he's obviously frustrated because he knows that we can do better than that. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like a pattern of, you know, yeah. any sort of derogatory whatever. But it, everyone's allowed to get frustrated, I feel like, at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. But these people aren't in the locker room after the game. And I'm sure nobody was talking about this situation after the game. Like, nobody in that locker room was talking about, oh, my gosh, did you see what Coach Izzo did to Aaron Henry? No, I am guarantee you nobody in Michigan State's locker room was talking about that. And even Scott Van Pelt, his one big thing, did you see that? Do what? Scott Van Pelt's one big thing. Mm-mm. He, he uh, so he always has, during his show, he did does this one big thing segment. And he was talking about that. And he was talking about how all these people are blown and out of proportion except for Michigan State because they know Coach Izzo and they know the type of person he is and they know that he didn't mean it out of like a disrespect or like a demeaning type. I'm yelling at you because I'm ruling over you and because I I hate you type of thing. It's because um, I – I care for you and it's because I know what's best in this situation and I'm trying to win us a game right now. So, but anyway, um, so that's what's going on with Tom Izzo. He's unapologetic, which frankly I'm fine with. I mean, I'm sure he and Aaron Henry might've had a moment where he, you know, after the game might've had a moment with Aaron Henry and said, look, I got a little heated. My bad. But he he doesn't deserve to apologize to the media. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So so that's the top story. Media is mad, but media always gets mad. So we're going to move on and talk about Robert Kraft, who's 
a scumbag that deserves to apologize. <laughs> Robert Kraft has spoken out for the first time since being charged with solicitation of prostitution. Um, if you're just now catching this, uh, Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots, a uh, very rich man, um, very successful man, um, he was charged with solicitation, two misdemeanor counts of solicitation um, of prostitution uh, stemming from visits to the orchards of Asia, day spa, and massage. Or you mean orchids? Yep. Orchids, <laughs> not orchids. <laughs> yep. Orchids of Asia. I was I was thinking orchards and or that's what happens when I try to read it instead of just thinking. Just concentrating real hard. There. Yeah, I was thinking real hard. That's what happens. But anyway, uh orchids of Asia. <laughs> day spa and massage in Jupiter, Florida. Um so anyway. <laughs> so he says, um, it's a load of bull. <laughs> pretty Just much. Just to summarize, it's a load of bull. Yep. So his, his statement says, in deference to the judicial process, I have remained silent these past several weeks. To correct some of the misinformation surrounding this matter, my attorney made his first public comments on Friday night. I would like to use this opportunity to say something that I have wanted to say for four weeks. I am truly sorry. I don't know why it took four weeks to say that. Um, he continues to say, I know I have hurt and disappointed my family, my close friends, my co-workers, our fans, and many others who rightfully hold me to a higher standard. Throughout my life, I have always tried to do the right thing. The last thing I would ever want to do is disrespect another human being. <laughs> I have always, wait, I have extraordinarily, wait, I am butchering this. <laughs> I have extraordinary respect for women, my morals, eh, and my soul were shaped, my soul were shaped. If that's what he said, he needs some work. My soul no, it was plural, so he was listing, and then he said they Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need help. <laughs> okay. I have extraordinary respect for women. My morals and my soul were shaped by the most wonderful women, the love of my life, who I was blessed to have as my partner for 50 years. As I move forward, I hope to continue to use this platform with which I have been blessed to help others and to try to make a difference. I expect to be judged not by my words, but by my actions. And through those actions, I hope to regain your confidence and respect. Do you buy that? No. <laughs> that was quick. Not at all. Hmm. So, uh, as I mentioned, he was charged with two misdemeanor counts of soliciting another to commit prostitution. Um, First off, it's not respectful to women, so I don't believe that. Right. Um, and then his morals, I mean, that whole organization is shrouded in... Cheating. Yeah, just rumors of not being honest. So I, I mean, I feel like every year there's something else that comes out right. about the Patriots that's Well, it's dishonest. just funny that the one at the top is... This is what he's doing in his spare time. So I just don't think it's one of those where it's like, 
it's not like he turned himself in. He got caught red-handed, and then he's truly sorry. And then I just can't stand when people use the word blessed when they're talking about some deplorable action that they've been a part of, and they use that word. Like, mm. And he's wanting to use his platform. Really? Yeah, he's been blessed to You're going to use your platform? Platform, yeah. And you don't have much time to show us your actions. You're 77. Mm. This is unfortunately probably going to be one of the lasting memories of his legacy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so authorities say they have craft on tape at the spa from the morning of and the day before January's AFC championship game. Uh, Kraft has pleaded not guilty to the charges, even though he just apologized. Yeah, that was one thing that I thought was weird, but it could just be one of those things, you know, don't admit guilt, like officially, officially. Yeah. On documents, but it's, it's silly that he's gone through this whole big apology and then won't take the deal because it would be admitting guilt. Yeah. And that deal is, um, so first Kraft's attorneys filed court paperwork asking that the evidence, including the videos, which I have, I note, none of me wants to see these videos. Well, <laughs> Um, so Kraft's attorneys asked that the videos not be publicly released Um, so Kraft was offered a plea deal as a first time offender Um, because the deal requires an admission of guilt uh, Kraft is reportedly expected to reject it and Kraft's court date is set for March 28th which as of today, which is Sunday, March 24th, is this Thursday. Um, So another thing, when all of this was uh, being rolled out to us within the media this past week, um, when it came out that Kraft was offered a plea deal, um, but he had to admit that he would have been found guilty in court, I found that was weird because even though he is a first time offender, um, they're basically saying because of who you are, mm-hmm. if you'll just say, if you'll admit that we got you, we'll yeah. just let you walk. Yeah. I thought that was kind of weird. But again, that's what power gets you. Yeah. Just kind of an elitist thing. I'm surprised he didn't take it. Well, again, he kind of did admit it because his apology, he's like, I messed up. I let everyone I know down. So he basically admitted it. So he, without taking the plea deal, he basically took the plea deal in my mind. But this just, the whole plea deal reminds me of like, like high school. Like you got... Like the big popular guy, which is Robert Kraft, and then you got like the not so cool guy, which is you know the judicial system, and they're like, Oh, we have this dirt on you, and if you'll just acknowledge us in the hallway, we'll let you, we'll, we'll just forget about it. But you have to acknowledge us, and he's just like, Eh, nah, <laughs> nah, not interested. But then he'd rather admit that he was wrong. Yeah, we'll so. see how it develops, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, Robert Kraft, 
is a terrible person. I still think it's really funny that that came out after, like, when we were watching the Super Bowl and Tom Brady and him, like, kissed on the lips when the <laughs> celebration was happening. I feel like every... And then this came out, and I about died laughing because I just thought Where about that. Where have those lips been? Weird, yeah, like... <laughs> When we were just watching it live, we're like, did they just kiss on the lips? And we, like, kind of looked at each other like, well, that's really weird, but maybe they're just really yeah. close. And then this came out. It just made me laugh. Like, oh. Yeah. Tom mm-hmm. Brady's okay with kissing dudes <laughs> on the lips, though. I feel like everybody that goes to visit him in training camp gets a smooch on the lips. <laughs> yeah. but So that's that. Robert Kraft admitted he was... Well, no, he didn't admit he was at fault, but he did apologize for something that he was wrong for. Not necessarily this, because he didn't say, I'm sorry for soliciting prostitution. So he apologized for something. He could have apologized for not emptying the dishwasher. So, anyway, moving on to the next. So we're going to catch you guys up on a little flurry of... NFL free agency deals, as well as some MLB deals that happened, including a monster mega super deal that happened to a particular uh, angel man known as Mike Trout um, that doesn't necessarily make sense to me, but we'll go over that later. Um, So, um, in case you missed it, Here are the uh, NFL free agency deals that happened over the last week. We'll just kind of quickly go over like the three big ones, and then we'll talk about who's left, like the big free agents that are left. So the three biggest deals that happened over the last week were uh, Randall Cobb is a cowboy now. He signed a one-year, $5 million deal, um, which kind of really bolsters the Cowboys' offense. Um, and, like, he's good grief. Uh, Randall Cobb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, now Jason Witten's back. I'm not sure how much help he'll be. He'll be better than their tight end production from last year, which was – pretty much zero. But to me, I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan anyway, but if if Dak can't get get it done with this offense now, I'm not sure if he can. So this might be his, you know, career defining moment in Dallas rather, not maybe not career defining, but his chance to shine. Yeah, his prove your worth moment in yeah. Dallas this year. Um, next, you've got Justin Houston signs a two-year deal for $24 million with the Colts. So the Colts are going to be a team to watch. Uh, they were a playoff team, uh, won the wild card round, lost the divisional round to the Chiefs. Um, and then the Justin Houston moves from the Chiefs to the Colts. So maybe he sees the writing on the wall that the Colts are on the up and up. Um, Clay Matthews. Uh, spent 10 years with the Packers, and now he signs a two-year deal worth up to $16.75 million with the Rams. So the Rams continue to be uh, kind of like the Yankees of the NFL world. So here's who's left. 
big the big name free agents that are left in the NFL. And Dominican Sue, he just signed a one year deal with the Rams last year. So he's still a free agent, but he's kind of a bad person. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of likes to step on people. Right. He likes to step on people. He likes to kick people <laughs> in the groin. Um, so if if I were a general manager, um, he's super talented, but I'm not sure if I would want him in my clubhouse. Um, and then you got a trio of wide receivers that, frankly, I'm surprised – are still on the board. You got Jordy Nelson, Michael Crabtree, and Chris Hogan. So I'm sure they'll be picked up at some point. Uh, you got Steven Gostowski. Uh, I've always struggled pronouncing his last name. <laughs> Gostowski. Um, he's, he'll probably end up back with the Patriots. They're probably working on a deal as we speak. Um, Eric, ba- Eric Berry, safety for the Chiefs. Uh, they actually released him, so he's no longer with the Chiefs. Um, he's had injury concerns, but he'll probably end up somewhere just as a veteran, veteran leadership. Uh, then you got three quarterbacks. Um, one, Sam Bradford. Um, that guy, uh, he really just, like... Do you think he'll get picked up? He will. Probably just as backup veteran leadership, but his parachute really just kind of <laughs> depleted. <laughs> like Sam, yeah, Bradford's number one fan, right? Because I was a Rams fan and that was my <laughs> dude. But just a few years ago, the Vikings like went all in on him, and then the Cardinals that was like he was their guy, and then he was just a bust. But Josh McCown is out there. Um, he was Sam Darnold's mentor basically last year with the Jets. Um, he's a free agent. Um, Brock Eisweiler is a free agent. Um, never been a Brock Eisweiler fan. Um, I'm sure somebody, somebody who needs backup, will pick him up. Um, then you got C.J. Anderson, running back who actually did super well in place of Todd Gurley for the Rams last year. Um, so, but he's, he's getting on up there in age. He just turned 28 and he also stays pretty overweight. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Don't we all? <laughs> yep. Um, who do you think Jordy Nelson's going to go to? Jordy Nelson, he might, you know, he might end up back with the Packers because they you think? just, I mean, I could the Patriots were maybe. I mean, he could end up with the Patriots. I could also see, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Chris Hogan end up back with the Patriots because he already knows the system. And um, but hmm. uh, Jordy Nelson, especially since uh, the Packers just let Randall Cobb go, and they could use a little consistency right now. I could see Jordy Nelson going back to the Packers. But this says that uh, the Seahawks, Patriots, Titans, and Chiefs could be among the suitors of for Jordy Nelson. But I could see him back in Green Bay. But time will tell. So I'm sure we'll have an update next week. Maybe if he gets signed within the next week. Um, moving on to the MLB. Um, here are the MLB free agency uh, big pickups. Um, Alex Bregman, um, third baseman for the Astros, just signed a six-year, $100 million extension. 
Um, he says he wants to be the next modern superstar in the MLB. What do you mm, think about that? You got that some competition, bro. <laughs> he's got a lot of competition. <laughs> you got Mike Trout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's got a lot, long way to go from from a hundred million dollars for six years. It's just a weird goal. Yeah, like next you don't want to be like a great player of the game yeah. and like blah blah blah. You want to be a modern superstar. That's not that's a very humble a weird, statement either. Yeah, it's just a weird goal. Yeah, but uh, next you got. Good luck to you. Sir. Yeah, good luck, bro. Uh, Chris Sale, uh, Red Sox ace. Just signed a five-year, $145 million extension. So they're going all in on him, which kind of poses the question about all of their uh, young talent. Who? Uh, Red, Red Sox. Oh. So they've got uh, Andrew Benatendi, Mookie Betts, who Mookie Betts is going to be cashing in in the next couple years. And there's speculation that he could be up there in the Mike Trout type of numbers. Um, next, you got Justin Verlander. He signed a two-year, $66 million extension with the Astros, and he's been vital in the last couple postseason runs for the Astros. And this uh, extension um, actually sets a record for annual salary for pitchers. He just passed up Zach Grinke hmm. for that, um, which Grinke kind of signed that huge contract and kind of was a letdown. So. That kind of sucks for the Diamondbacks. Um, Paul Goldschmidt, my new guy, <laughs> <laughs> my new bro. Um, he signed. So the Cardinals just picked him up in the offseason right before spring training. And they were going to just kind of test the waters for a year because he was a free agent next year. And then I guess the two fell in love and they went ahead and signed a five-year, $130 million extension. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt and the Cardinals. And I read an article that said Paul Goldschmidt and his family and his kids and his wife and, you know, I'm sure his grandma and all of them just <laughs> are already uh, making St. Louis their home. Mm. So That's good neat. guy. I love it. Goldie. Um, <laughs> uh, next, you move on to the big elephant in the room, the big rich, handsome elephant in the room, Mike Trout. Um, Mike Trout and the Angels agreed to a 12-year, $430 million deal. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Simply, uh, here's, mm-hmm. here's my own – I mean, props to the guy for cashing in $430 million. This is like $36 million a year-ish. But here's here's my issue with this. A month ago, however long ago, Bryce Harper set the record at 13 years, $330 million. And then a few weeks later, Mike Trout's like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he comes in at $100 million more. So? so, how do the angels justify that? Uh-huh. How do you go from 330 to 430? What's $100 million difference? Is there that much of a talent difference between Bryce Harper and Mike Trout? They're not related. They're not related? No. I know that, but 
<laughs> they're not cousins. Two separate, I mean, like, <laughs> teams. Two separate teams evaluating a player. But they're both outfielders. They're not, they both put up. There's not one team offering two different I players. I know that. To, but can they not go up $10 million, $20 million? They got to go up $100 million. Why do you feel personally attacked by that? <laughs> personally attacked? <laughs> I just think it's ridiculous because what's it, next? Mookie Betts. Mookie, Mookie Betts is going to cash in in two years. Is he going to be at $550 million? Um, why are they paying anybody else on the Angels? If they're like, how would you feel being someone else on the team? Hey, that's another thing. What's going on in that crappy. locker room? Yeah, that'd be that would be interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah, that's an insane contract. So does anyway. he have any of the? Did you look in to see if he's got any of the no trade stuff on his and um, things like that? He does have a no trade clause, but there's um the thing that still baffles me about those contracts is they're just that's such a long time to try to stay healthy. Yeah, it's going to keep him there until he's 39 Especially years the old. Positions that they play. Yeah. I mean, what 39-year-old is still putting up good numbers in the MLB? Yeah. But there's a no trade clause, there's no opt out, and they did that for loyalty's sake, so he can try to recruit people to the Angels. I thought Bryce Harper got in trouble for saying stuff out loud about wanting to recruit people to the... Well, he can do that as, once they become free agents. You can do that. Oh, I see what you're saying. But, you can't, okay. but as long as they're not free agents, it's tampering. Okay. So a little detail about his contract... Um, he Trout was going to become a free agent in 2020, but with the new deal, which is actually a 10-year extension on the current deal, um, the extension kicks in um, in 2021, but he's got two years left on his current deal, um, which would have made him $66.5 million over the last two years of the six-year, $144.5 million extension he agreed to back in 2014. So he's got two years left and then an additional 10 years, which equals the $430 million. So does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. Um, so I found this article on Sports Illustrated. That's where I get a lot of my info, by the way, in case you're interested. Um, I found a list of the highest paid athletes by sport, by average annual revenue, or annual value, not revenue. So baseball, obviously, is Mike Trout because he just set the record. Um, he's making $35.8 million, about 36 Um So that is the largest contract in professional sports history um, by a lot, by $10 million, (laughs) which was previously signed by Bryce Harper. So Bryce Harper got to enjoy a few weeks of being the richest man in sports. Um, In basketball, it's James Harden and John Wall. They're tied at $42.3 million a year. Um. Both of their deals are four-year deals worth $169.344 million. Uh, There are two years left 
on James Harden's contract. Um, so he's got the largest overall contract in NBA history um, because his overall deal is worth $228 million over a six-year period. Um, in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, $33.5 million. His is a four-year deal worth $134 million. Um, second in the NFL is uh, Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan at $30 million annually. Soccer, uh, Lionel Messi. Um, his, is, his was confusing to me because it says – in 2018, Messi took home $84 million in salary alone, plus an additional $27 million in endorsements. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so he made, like, I, I'm bad at math. <laughs> What's 84 plus 27? Don't put me on this. <laughs> so you're bad at math, too. Hundred and seven. 107-ish? I don't know. Let me just check. Uh, it's a lot. Come back to me with that. So, but that's only like... Oh, a, my gosh. I'm dumb. It's 111. 111. <laughs> okay. So, well, I'm dumb, too. Just to clarify, it's I'm bad at dummies. simple math. I'm not bad at math in general. <laughs> All right. Thanks for clarifying. So, but that was just like a one-year deal. So, that's not, you know, the biggest contract. Um, so, in the NHL, uh, Connor McDavid... Uh, with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, only makes $12.5 million, but he's also only been in the league for a couple years. Um, he's only 22 years old. Um, his is an eight-year, $100 million contract. He got an extension in 2017. Um, keeps him locked up until 2026. In boxing, uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, signed a five-year, 11-fight deal um, with a streaming service um, called it's D A Z N. I'm not sure if it's Dazn or D just D A Z N. That's um, just crazy. It makes me wonder how much they make to if they could pay someone that much. Yeah, but that they it, just must make a ton of money. Oh, I'm sure. But that it's a five year, eleven fight deal worth three hundred and sixty five million dollars, seventy three million dollars a year. Um, which is basically a million dollars a day, $365 million. I can't even wrap my head around this money. A million bucks a day. Just wake up, go to sleep, make a million bucks. Yeah. That's stupid. It's just crazy. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Mike Trout, he's a good guy. So, I mean, if anybody in the league deserves it, he does. I just, I, I can't wrap my head around going from 330 to 430 for one year less like there's got to be and their numbers like he's a better defensive player but their offensive numbers aren't that different so the hundred million dollar difference there just doesn't make sense to me and the angels i just i don't think they can justify that but but that's just me and surely they found a reason to do it. So good luck to them. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it works out, but I've never seen one of those long-term contracts work out. So, but 
Hopefully it does. Before we move on to the next segment, I need to make a correction. I said that Canelo Alvarez's deal for $365 million is worth a million dollars a day. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a five-year deal worth $365 million. So it's still worth $73 million a year. So it's not a million dollars a day. I obviously wasn't. So. My bad. Paying enough attention. Again, I'm bad at math. (laughs) (laughs) Prove that once more. Um, So we're going to talk a little college football in March, spring, spring practice time. Um, So Bet Online released their list of the 2019 win total predictions. Their over unders. Um, Their entire um, entire team list wasn't released, but they've got down to, I don't know, there's maybe maybe 20 teams here. Um, of course, Alabama and Clemson topped the list at 11 wins, um, which I find interesting because there are 12 games in the season and they both have 11 wins. So they're predicting that each of them lose one game. Do they play each other at all? No. So, Alabama and Clemson both are predicted over under at 11 wins. Uh, Georgia and Oklahoma are both at 10.5 wins, so either 10 or 11 wins. That's why Vegas does 10.5, because they can't figure out if they're going to win 10 or 11 wins. Um, Ohio State... And UCF are both at 10 wins. Notre Dame, Texas, and Michigan are at 9.5 wins. And if you hear Ian in the background, (laughs) then that's our little baby, our three-week-old baby now. Yep. He's in the background hanging out with us. Yeah, he's a grown man now. (laughs) He needs to get a job hanging out with us today. Um, So what was I saying? Oh, at 9.5 wins, we've got Notre Dame, Texas, and Michigan. At nine wins, we've got LSU and Florida. At eight and a half wins, we've got Penn State, USC, and that's Southern Cal, and Miami. At eight wins, we've got Auburn and Nebraska and Mississippi State. And seven and a half wins, Florida State, and seven wins, Tennessee. So Arkansas is not on that list. (laughs) Not a surprise. Yeah. Um. I think Arkansas might win seven you games. Think they'll go to a bowl. Uh, I definitely think they'll go to a bowl. I don't know if they'll win more than seven or eight games, but so I'm not sure if any of these stick out to me, like over or under. Rather, um, I know there are some teams like Texas and LSU that might be. Either like they're usually overrated. Texas is usually overrated. They're you know predicted at nine and a half, so either nine or ten wins. Um, I think they what did they, I think they might have won eight games maybe last year, maybe nine. Um, so, uh, so if the college football playoff were to happen. Based on this list, 
it would be Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma, with Ohio State at 10 wins being left out. So, Ohio State being left out again, and probably complaining again. But, uh, Georgia being at 10.5 wins, and then maybe losing to Alabama in the SEC championship, that might be enough to put Ohio State in. But, anyway... Um, I also have a list of, but anyway, look at, check out the, um, what is it? Uh, bet online, betonline.ag, I think, um, check out that, uh, over under list, hit us up on Twitter at, uh, at sports and spouses. And let me, let us know what you think about that. Uh, let us know if you think any of these teams, are overrated any of these teams you think will uh exceed those expectations uh maybe a team like florida state maybe a team uh like lsu uh maybe a team like uh miami uh with that transfer from from ohio state that quarterback uh tate martell uh let us know what you think about those numbers uh but anyway i've also got uh, a list of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country to go along with that list. And the overall toughest non-conference schedule belongs to Stanford this year. Um, they play Northwestern, um, who won the Big Ten West. They play at UCF, which is good for UCF to bolster their resume a little bit if they win that game, which I doubt they will. Um, then they play Notre Dame. So Stanford, their three non-conference games are the toughest in the country, according to Sports Illustrated. Um, then you got uh, Duke has a pretty tough non-conference schedule. They play Alabama, and then they play Notre Dame. Uh, Houston is at Oklahoma. Then they play Washington State, and then they're at North Texas. Um, and America doesn't think North Texas is tough, but Arkansas fans <laughs> know, <laughs> know how they tough North Texas tough. can be. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, Louisville plays Notre Dame, and then they're at Kentucky. Kentucky was at a pretty good team last year. Uh, Michigan has the second toughest non-conference schedule, according to Sports Illustrated. They play Army, who had 11 wins last year and took Oklahoma to overtime. And then they play Notre Dame. Um, UCF, like I mentioned, they play Stanford. And then they're at Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh. Um, so those are the, the toughest non-conference schedules in the country. Of course, what I find interesting is you don't see any SEC schools in there. Um, mostly because the SEC schedule is usually a gauntlet. Um, so they don't feel the need to have a tough non-conference schedule because they're usually priming for their own conference schedule. So I think the only conferences that need a tough non-conference schedule are the weaker conferences, uh, like, say, the Pac-12. Like, if you're a team like Washington that is usually going to have a pretty decent team, 
but you're in a pretty weak conference, so you need to bolster your resume a little bit. Or, of course, if you're a team like UCF, like if you were in a situation the last couple years when you feel like you have a good enough resume to get into the playoff, but you're lacking a signature win to get into the playoff, then then you need a team like a Stanford to come to your house or uh, like – I know UCF offered, I think, Florida, maybe. I know there's a, an SEC team. Um, UCF offered a deal with, uh, I want to say it was Florida. And Florida rebuttaled and said, we'll offer you uh, two games here in exchange for one game at UCF. And I think, you know, as much as UCF needs those games – I think that's pretty messed up, but uh, just because you, they view UCF as a stepchild. But uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think about those numbers and those matchups, and hit us up and let us know what you think about all of these subjects that we're covering. So, but we're gonna move on, and we're gonna do a little. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. What are we? What are we going to talk two, about? Two minutes. No, two minutes last. Oh, oh my god, we're gonna pick them. Oh yeah. We're gonna pick some. <laughs> my gosh, we're Sorry. gonna pick some games. We got a lot of games to pick. We got a, a lot of Sweet Sixteen games to to pick. Um, got some some uh, opening weekend MLB games. Some series to pick. So, got a lot of fun stuff. Before we dive into this week's picks, let's recap last week's picks. So we did we only did three games last week, some first round matchups in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we picked between fifth seed Mississippi State and twelfth seed Liberty. Uh, we both picked fifth seed Mississippi State, but twelve seed Liberty pulled off the upset, 80-76, so neither of us got that one. Um, and then we picked seven seed Nevada versus 10 seed Florida. Uh, Melanie picked seven seed Nevada. I picked 10 seed Florida and Florida won 70 to 61. So I won that one. Cute. <laughs> and then we picked uh, five seed Auburn versus 12 seed New Mexico State. Let me down. <laughs> and Melanie followed her heart and set her head <laughs> on that one. I picked Auburn. Melanie picked New Mexico State. And Auburn <laughs> won 78-77. One-point game. Tough. So I won two out of three. Did so. you decide what you win? No. <laughs> but you did. You I remembered. remembered what I win. And I win. Uh, you have to watch a Harry Potter movie for every time you lose. So every week when you win the Pick'em, I have to watch a new Harry Potter movie. Yes. Because. Because you've never watched them before. I, I, You're missing out and you don't even know it and you won't watch them. So. so to be clear, I've seen about half of each one. <laughs> no. So I know the basics. <laughs> No, you don't. I know there's a kid with a wand. No, you don't. And he flies around and he kills the snake guy. That's all going to be fixed, though, because you're going to be watching Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone soon. Yeah. Because you won last week. Because you won, or the week before last, you won. Yeah. So I need to watch the very first Harry Potter. Harry Potter won. 
Looking forward to it. Welcome to Harry Potter. <laughs> That's the name of it. So, and then I win this week, so I need to come up with my wager. Sushi. Hey, that, then you would win <laughs> twice. I like sushi, yep. but you like sushi way more. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, so I win this week. Um, this week, we've got a lot of picks. Um, just because there's a ton of good Sweet 16 matchups, and it's MLB opening weekend starting Thursday. There's some good matchups there, so let's dive right in. So Thursday, uh, March 28th, um, we've got uh, fourth seed Florida State versus one seed Gonzaga. Uh, Florida State is 29 and seven overall. Gonzaga is 32 and three overall. What you got? Well, I didn't watch either of their games before this, so I don't <laughs> know how strong either of them were looking. Hmm. That could so, pose a problem for you. Florida State. Melanie's taking Florida State. All right. Um, I'm also going to take Florida State. So there's that. So we both got Florida State on that one. Just because, I mean, Gonzaga's mid-major, weak conference. Yeah, I remember you were talking about that. So. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to make it out of this bracket. Uh, so next, also on Thursday, we've got three-seed Purdue versus two-seed Tennessee. Purdue. Oh, that was quick. Dang. Okay. Well, let me finish my thought here <laughs> before you rudely interrupt me. <laughs> what? Uh, Purdue's 25 and 9 on the season overall. Tennessee is 31 and 5. Um, so, Melanie's taking Purdue. Um, I'm going to take Tennessee. Do it. I'm going to do it. So, uh, marking them with two different colored pens. So we know. Uh, Friday, we've got three seed LSU, 28 and six overall, versus two seed Michigan State, 30 and six overall. <laughs> no. <laughs> what happened? There might be something in this diaper. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it wasn't me. Ian's... Just to clarify, <laughs> <laughs> Ian's trying to sabotage. Anyway, so who was it? Uh, three seed LSU, twenty eight and six overall versus two seed Michigan State, thirty and six oh my overall. Go Michigan State. Going Sparty, I like it. Uh, I am also gonna go Sparty just because I'm still not sold on LSU without Will Wade. Um, so, so yeah, that's the only reason. So, and they had barely had to pull out a win versus Maryland. So, still not sold. Uh, Friday as well, we've got uh, five seed Auburn, 28-9 and nine overall versus one seed North Carolina. Ooh, that's tough. 29-6 and six overall. I'm going to root for Auburn just because they've been so strong. Just they, because. I got to be honest, Auburn might be the hottest team in the tournament right now. So you're taking Auburn? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's – I've been struggling with this one since I wrote it down. But I think I'm still going to take North Carolina. 
just because <laughs> I just think North Carolina's experience because they've been doing it through the whole season. Um, I just I just think they're going to cash in during this game, and Auburn's you know fairy dust is going to run out. Wait, you're picking North Carolina? Yeah. Um, and then it's MLB opening weekend starting Thursday. We finally get some games that count. Um, so there are two series we're going to pick. Uh, we've got Braves at Phillies, three-game series starting Thursday for the weekend. Um, divisional series, uh, probably going to be two of the best teams in the league, probably. Braves at Phillies, which got I'll go Braves. Three, three-game series. Two to one. Oh, Braves two to one. Um, gosh, you know that's that's exactly what I was gonna pick. Back, <laughs> honestly, like no BS. That's exactly what I was gonna pick. So we both agree on that one. Um, the next one we've got Cardinals at Brewers. Well, of course I'm going to go Cardinals. Wait, listen, this is a four-game series. Oh. And Melanie just, i got to be honest, Melanie just got up with Ian, so <laughs> you got to yell at me. Split it. So you're going with the split. Oh, wait, that's not rooting for the Cardinals. That's not rooting for the Cardinals. <laughs> I'm going to split it. You're going for the split. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Cardinals 3-1. to one. So, let me write this down. Uh, going cards three to one. Melanie's going for the split. So, to recap recap our weekly pick them, uh, Melanie and I both have Florida State over Gonzaga. Melanie and I both have Michigan State over LSU. Um, Melanie has Purdue over Tennessee. I have Tennessee over Purdue. Melanie has Auburn over North Carolina. I have North Carolina over Auburn. Melanie and I both have the Braves over the Phillies, 2-1 to one in that three-game series. Melanie has the Cardinals and Brewers splitting a four-game series. I have the Cardinals over the Brewers, 3-1 to one in the four-game series. So that is this week's weekly pick em. So... It's time for a two-minute drill. Get ready. Two-minute drill time. So this is when we start a timer for two minutes, and then we cover as much as we can in that two minutes. And I think we might actually make it today. Okay. We're only going to cover two topics. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> Hopefully we can. Yeah. So I did that on purpose so we don't go seven minutes over like we yeah. did the last couple weeks. So here we go. Let's start that timer. So 18 years ago, Randy Johnson killed a bird with his fastball. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? I don't. I didn't see it live, but I remember. I remember it live. I was probably 15 years old, and I just remember it was spring training, and I think he might have been playing the Giants. But I just remember he pitched, and there was just this white poof, like halfway between pitcher's mound and home plate, and I was like, "What in the world was that?" And then I remember. <laughs> might have been Jeff Kent picked up the dead bird and I was like Jeff Kent is a man like a grown like you know scruffy like a grown man 
and I want to be like that one day. Um, so I remember that vividly, and I can't believe it was 18 years ago, and that's awesome. And that cemented, you know, Randy Johnson's like folklore. Like this guy's <laughs> fastball kills birds. Yeah. And his pinpoint accuracy, <laughs> he killed a bird with his fastball. Crazy. It's nuts. Um, next, Cam Newton is giving up sex for a month. Did he, you ever find out if he has a girlfriend? He does have a girlfriend. Okay. So he was on the Late Late Show with James Corden, and he announced that he's giving up sex for a month to strengthen his mind after having shoulder surgery. So last year, he went 6-8 and eight as quarterback for the Carolina Panthers before he um, kind of was benched, I guess, for the remainder of the season before having shoulder surgery. But he does have a girlfriend. Her name is Kia Proctor, and they have three kids together. I didn't know that. I didn't what? They have, he has three kids? Yeah, three kids with Kia Proctor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and they're not married, hmm. but he does have a girlfriend. But, oh, there's a timer. So... What what are your what are your initial thoughts about? Well, I'm glad he has a girlfriend because if he was going to give it up for a month without a girlfriend, that's really telling about his behavior. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, I don't. He can do whatever the heck he wants. I don't really care. Here's my other thought about it. Um, Terry Crews. You don't really have to announce it. I feel like that's kind of a weird thing to announce. Yeah, it is. Terry Crews gave it up for like six months or something. And he has a wife. <laughs> so, but I feel like giving it up for like a month is just like, eh, no big deal. I mean, we have a kid. So <laughs> we have a newborn you don't need kid. To elaborate. <laughs> but, but anyway. I just think it's a weird thing to announce. Like, it just is. do it in your own time and you don't need to tell the world right. about it. Right. So. Anyway, that's two minute drill. We actually made it. We're only like thirty seconds over. So. <laughs> so we didn't make it. <laughs> I mean, well, you gotta finish well, your close. thought. You gotta finish. You okay. can't just stop talking like once the timer goes off. Yeah. So anyway, uh, time for the walk off thoughts. This is our walk off thoughts segment of the show, where we just end on uh, maybe a story from the week or just a random thought we have that we call our walk off thought for the week. I'll go first. Mine is that the women's basketball, Razorbacks basketball, didn't make the NCAA tournament um, because I felt like they deserved it. And I was reading an article from thecabin.net. Um, so, I mean, they kind of they kind of pitted like Tennessee against Arkansas um, because they had similar schedules. Mike Neighbors said that maybe Tennessee's schedule was just slightly stronger than Arkansas's. Um, but Arkansas beat Tennessee at Tennessee and they just made such an impressive run in the SEC tournament being, mm-hmm. what were they, a 10 seed, you said? They were the first 10 seed. <clears throat> um, they, were the, they were the lowest seed to make the final. And then they just fought to get to the final and beat yeah. people who were outranking them and then lost in the final and then still didn't make it. But he made a good point. Um, and he said somewhere in the article, some, he said it shouldn't have come down to either or, like meaning Arkansas or Tennessee, because he thought they both pro, 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 
proved themselves NCAA tournament worthy. Um, so he also said they were the last team talked about frustrated in a lot of ways because the criteria that eliminated us from consideration against Tennessee was not then applied to other teams. Tennessee was in because of top wins, yet we had more top wins than some of the teams that did get in. Wow. So it just stinks because they did so well at the end, and it's like it almost is like a slap in the face. Like, oh, that's great that you did so well in the SEC tournament, but it doesn't. it's not enough. Here, go play in the NIT. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, their <clears throat> regular season schedule wasn't, like, super awesome. But it just takes away the worth in an end-of-season push where you just give your all in the SEC tournament because it's not right. worth anything to the committee, obviously. Yeah. But anyway, um, and if and you, then Tennessee still win, and it's just one of those things. I feel like it's just Tennessee favor. Yeah, and just blue blood favor. It's kind of like the Kentucky calls at the end of the yeah, Kentucky game the, the other time. day. It's just no. Yeah. And if you don't know, Mike Neighbors is Arkansas women's basketball's head coach, um, and Arkansas women's basketball team is uh, one seed in the NIT, and they just beat UAB. 100 to 52 today on <laughs> Sunday. So <laughs> they're doing pretty well in the NIT. So maybe that'll show that they deserve a spot in the, in the big dance. Um, so my walk-off thought is about Ichiro Suzuki announcing his retirement. Um, I feel like he's one of those guys that is just a model of just quiet consistency and just a stand-up guy that flies under the radar, but just one of those guys that you can just look up to, and he was just constant his entire career. And for me, he'll be missed just not seeing him there all the time, just getting you know a slap hit. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just whenever, whatever, it seemed like every time he was up to bat. Yeah. Just slapping it. Um, but he's 45 years old. Um, he played 18 years in the MLB, um, along with, uh, several years in Japan. Uh, he started in Japan in 1992 when he was 18 years old. And then he came over to the States, um, and made his MLB debut in 2001. Um, since then he had, uh, over 3000 hits, um, had a career, uh, 311 batting average, uh, 117 home runs, and uh, he played with the Mariners, Yankees, and Marlins, finished his career back with the Mariners. Uh, he was a 10-time Gold Glove winner and 10-time All-Star. And his statement after he retired was, quote, I have achieved so many of my dreams in baseball, both in my career in Japan um, and the States um, in Major League Baseball. I am honored to end my big league career where it started with Seattle, and I think it is fitting that my last game as a professional were played in my home country of Japan. I want to thank not only the Mariners, but the Yankees and Marlins for the opportunity to play in the Major League Baseball And I want to thank the fans in both the U.S. and Japan for all the support they have always given me. What a stand-up guy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So, Were you surprised at all that he retired right after the Japan games? No, I think he's been waiting because 
Um, the Mariners and the A's played some of their spring training games in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he was just waiting to do that. Um, he kind of had marked on his calendar in my mind that I'm just going to retire then back in my home country in front of my you know home crowd, so to speak. Um, so he played that series and in the last game on Thursday, uh, he was taken out in the eighth inning. Uh, they gave him a standing ovation. It was a sellout crowd in the Tokyo Dome. And Seattle won the game in 12 innings, 5-4, to four, which I found super interesting because um, in Ichiro's first game, his very first game in the MLB, the Mariners also beat the A's 5-4. to four. So in his first game and his last game, the Mariners beat the A's 5-4. to four. That's just poetic. <laughs> so, um, his his first season in the MLB with Seattle, um, he batted uh, .350. Uh, he stole 56 bases. He won the he won both the American League Rookie of the Year and the most most valuable player award. That same season, 2001, the Mariners won the American League record. Uh, 116 games, but then lost the ALCS to the Yankees, and Seattle hasn't been to the postseason since. So they got... Yeah, that's crazy. That's a long time. It is, 2001. It's the Ichiro curse. (laughs) I feel bad for the guy, kind of. Yeah. So hopefully they can break the curse soon, but I just think he's going to be so missed. But he just flew under the radar. It's just such a consistent hitter, such a consistent guy. Yeah. Um, he didn't talk a lot. He was quiet, but just so constant. Yeah, that is neat. But I'm going to miss him. So good luck, Ichiro. He will be missed. That's my walk-off thought. I know we usually end the show after our walk-off thoughts, but I just got some breaking news. Rob Gronkowski, Patriots tight end, has just announced his retirement via Instagram post. He played nine seasons with the New England Patriots. Um, see if we can get some stats. Twelve postseason touchdowns. Uh, he played 115 regular season games. Um, 7,861 receiving yards. Um I don't see t- – oh, 79 touchdown receptions since joining the Patriots. He was a second-round second, second round draft pick. Um, 2010, he led the NFL. He had 10 or more touchdowns in five seasons, which is most by a tight end in NFL history. But he's been plagued by injury the last few years, so he has announced his retirement. Breaking news by sports and spouses. so he rob gronkowski has retired from the nfl you heard it here probably not first but you heard it here do you have thoughts um i do have thoughts it doesn't surprise you i mean i thought he was gonna retire last year but you know he came back because he's been he's been uh contemplating retirement a lot like it seems like every year the past two or three years it's like is rob gronkowski gonna retire and then he always comes back because it seems like tom brady 
comes back. So Rob's like, I guess I'll come back because we have a chance to win a Super Bowl. So, um, but he finally called it quits. I guess the injuries are finally getting to him or something. But does this mean the end of the Patriots dynasty? I don't know. No. No? You don't think so? No, I just feel bad for him because he's so young. It'd be hard to give up your career that you worked your whole youth for and yeah. already be having to give it up in your late 20s. Yeah, but I I read somewhere a couple years ago, I don't know if it's still true, but I read that he hasn't spent any of his NFL money. He's only spent his endorsement money. So if that's the case, he's he's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure he'll have another endeavor coming up. I'm sure he has businesses that he works on. So um, he'll be fine. So again, Rob Gronkowski has retired from the NFL. So that's that's pretty shocking, but we all probably saw it coming anyway. So anyway, that is the show. This has been Sports and Spouses. <laughs> Hit us up on social media, Twitter, Instagram. Um, interact with us. Discuss the topics that we cover. Discuss new topics with us. Um, debate with us, but don't argue with us. We don't want heated debates and arguments. We don't want to be called names. We just want to. We just want to chat with you and discuss topics with you. Um, wherever you're listening. Um, like us, rate us, review us, hit the subscribe button, um, and tell your friends about us. So that's really the only way we're going to grow is organically. So share us, like us, subscribe us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.